Welcome back. This show couldn't be what it's turned into without the help of you, the listener, and your support. The success of Season 1 truly is mind-blowing. I want to thank our patrons, Haley Munoz and Amelia Emberwing, for their support as it has taken us to a whole new level of production. And you too can become part of the team by going to patreon.com slash theater. And for as low as $3 a month, you gain access to member-exclusive music, recorded game sessions, and even behind-the-scenes footage of how we create the show. See what tier makes the most sense to you and enhance your experience today. Well, since the last intermission, a lot sure has happened. And a lot of talent has been there to help us tell our story and bringing the last act of season one to a close. So let's take a moment to summarize. Episode four, being in the wake of Elaviv's death and the reunion with their lost brother, Zane, helped explain more of where he had disappeared to. In all honesty, he was supposed to actually die in the first part of the prologue, as I explained in the, uh, the last intermission everyone played themselves as children, but the, the players really attached themselves to that character and held on to him. Uh, so it made more sense story-wise to have a nice splash and bring him back. Now, uh, I mean, it's all a fantasy, right? Now, I decided to give him a gladiator background from that. So he went off, became you know a gladiator into forced combat, that kind of a thing. But he wasn't really a, a big guy. Right, he wasn't going to be a strength-based warrior. I was thinking more along the lines of a finesse warrior, and the gears start turning from there. About, well, what if we take it one step further and we actually make him where they're training him to be an assassin? And his thief background, that rogue aspect, training him to to be an assassin. Normally, that would be a very evil character with. Zane, he's more of you know a selfish character as we've seen, so it seemed to fit. In episode five, that's where they chartered a ship to get to the new world on the other side of the map. Now that introduced Captain Triscuit, and he was played by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast, a great friend of ours. We keep collaborating, and it's been a lot of fun. Now all the captains, as you can tell, <laughs> have been named after snack chips and that just happened from it being at the table trying to come up with a name on the fly so i kept that as part of it so yes it's it is captain trisket of course you know rosemary and olive oil can be a a a name per se i could have but it would have been a little bit odd but we went with captain trisket it also introduced brad zimmerman uh from the tales of eisen and gigantic adventures of jeff and simon as the sleazy elven bartender. And so, yeah, be sure to check out their show. It's phenomenal. Now, episode six is where at the table we used a system that combined a few together, including Heart of Oak. Now, Heart of Oak is a, a, you could consider it a low investment game depending on what you want to do with it. It's miniatures based in the Age of Sail, Napoleonic Wars, that kind of a thing. Now, the, the miniatures for it that, that are standard can get pretty pricey because they're, they're beautiful uh, miniatures and you're, you're working with pieces of art at that time. But the, the rules themselves can translate to anything as long as you use your imagination. And so, you know, technically the first time we played it was we picked up the PDF and we went to a bar patio table with a few small twigs and a tape measure and that was it. And we learned how to actually, you know, play with 
the, these uh, with fleets of ships fighting each other. So we, we had this as part of uh, the adventure getting from one continent to the other. Now in hindsight, could have used just sails of glory for a lot of the, uh, the side battles with pirates and other ships. Uh, that's a, another great easy system. It is kind of expensive. Uh, but again, it's miniatures, there's cards, you draw the, you choose the cards, choose the actions per rounds, all that stuff. So it, it, it's still a lot of fun to play with that system as well. Now for one encounter, I made a cardboard ship and I made that to scale for, you know, D&D's five foot per square inch scale, right? And so I made this cardboard ship and this was the encounter with the dragon turtle. I was planning on it being a sea combat experience as well as of course we house rule a lot of the nat 20 rolls to be close to anything as possible if you roll it so you say you want to do something uh if it seems somewhat feasible you know given the the world or the game system itself even if it's impossible you roll that 20 we're going to let it go through right it's all about the the rule of cool now jolene who plays cordelia used a little bit of out-of-game knowledge and mentioned that they were intelligent when they first encountered the dragon turtle. And Brian, who plays Benedict, said, well, I want to talk to it. Now, after I chastised them for not playing their character's knowledge, I allowed them to make the attempt. And wouldn't you know it, he rolled a 20. So I had to make up a bunch of stuff on the fly from there. So the sea elves and the conch shell artifact never really existed before in that moment. And I think a lot of DMs can attest to moments similar to that at their table where it did not go the way as planned or you know all of a sudden they have to make up an entire section of the world that they didn't plan on the players have stepped outside the area itself the voice of the dragon turtle was chris from the amazing wildlife podcast and you get a chance to check that out it's great you learn a lot of facts about all different kinds of animals and i loved the interaction when i reached out to chris and asked him if he wanted to play the dragon turtle he just shot back to me and said you had me a dragon turtle so he's definitely a lover of animals and so that was a lot of fun episode seven had a lot of lore in it and i'll touch on some of that in a moment but it it gave us the first exposure to the platinum city of bemel in the country of bells this is all in the new country right and gave us Uh, the chance to explore the Ivory Library's knowledge and just how much of a a pinnacle that is for the world itself. It also introduced two guest voices, uh, Cheyenne Bramwell from the Magical BS Podcast, which is a super fun actual play podcast that's geared to a more mature audience, and David S. Deer from the Ninth World Journal, a phenomenal story based in the uh, futuristic fantasy world of Numenara. Now, it also mentions Pallas, Ash de la Rosa, and Maldros the Dark as being together. So these three characters, they just kind of brings that out in one book. Cordelia kind of looks at it and goes, oh, okay, you know, just toss it to the side. Now, in a game prequel, that was actually 20 years before the current timeline. And that was a, a different game that was being played at the table with two of my nephews and my sister, Becky. So my two young nephews... We're actually playing the two main bad guys. So as far as Maldros the Dark and uh, Lord Pallas. So that it's interesting having uh, young people actually taking on the evil characters because it nerfs it to a point where it doesn't get as gritty. You know, it's it's they they're less likely to do things that could be offensive. Now, episode eight was one of our more brutal games emotionally. 
I told Brian beforehand that I, I wanted to put Cordelia through a test similar to the Dragonlance novels. Because when we first started this, in all honesty, it, it really was, hey, we want we wanted to sit down and play Dragonlance. And nobody else knew what Dragonlance was except for me. <laughs> so I was going off of a lot of memory and throwing things out there and what have you. But then it, we just ended up so far away from what Dragonlance was that it's more just in, inspired. We created a parallel world or a different world. So we built the library in a similar way to uh, the way they run the tests with the wizards, right? Uh, but it has tomes of history and magic, and so it made sense that there should also be the price. So Brian and I worked out beforehand that he would actually play an evil version of himself and build it to where she had to actually fight him. That was our goal, right? So to kind of throw a, throw a wrench in there. Now, this, of course, aided to the immersion of the moment and got the emotions building for the reunion with El Aviv and their deceased parents and that vision. So Brian actually played it great where he didn't actually show that he was just a vision. She believed fully that it was truly Benedict next to her and that it was truly Benedict that was slaughtering the kobolds. Jolene is a big fan of dragons and I knew that would get her emotionally describing the kobolds as basically small dragons. And so the conflict with the kobolds and Benedict uh, really was a, an emotional piece. So let's talk about the new world and the old world pantheon and how the deities work in this world. Now, keeping in mind, other religions exist, but this is the primary religious system that spans both continents. An example outside this could be some tribes worship the duality of the sea, for example, believing a god and goddess are warring with each other, one good, the other evil, influencing the weather and its inhabitants, either for good or evil, right? Uh, or chaos and law, you know, th those kinds of aspects. Now, there's six of them, and this is after six D&D alignments. Not after individual things, but those philosophies mainly. And I took out neutral between good and evil, just to, to simplify things so it didn't get too complex. Now, there's the knight, who's lawful good. And in parallel in the old world, that's known as the lion. And it, we have the maiden, who is chaotic good. Um, she is also known as the bear in the old world. We have the stone. The stone is lawful neutral. Uh, that is you know, that judgment. So it's like a gavel. It's an anvil of the forge. It's uh, the forge of the world, right? Then we have the crone and the elements are tied. So the elements from the old world, the crone is the depiction in the new world. The stone is known as the same across both continents. But the crone is chaotic neutral. So it, it, you never know which way it's going to go, and it's neutral to good and evil, right? So it's, that's, that's the elements, that's the weather, that's the world around you. Then we have the prince and the thorn. So in the old world known as the thorn, this deity is the, um, the depiction of lawful evil. Then we also have, finally, the ferryman, also known as the skull. So that's the, the way they depict death. Uh, they depict death as a chaotic evil deity or being headed by a chaotic evil deity. 
One thing to note when it comes to the deities, this is the way the world views these powers or these these deities or the stories. And it's not a Greek pantheon where you could see a hero in, in Greece calling out to these gods and the gods would answer. And they're like, oh yeah, well, I know that is Zeus and I know that is Apollo. They, they think these are the gods and goddesses. They don't know if that truly is who they are or what they represent or what have you. But that's just what they've depicted. So where to now? Well, the epilogue in episode 8 describes a few new characters that we'll meet in season 2, which also some new players, along with some amazing voice talent. Now, I won't tell you where they are in the show or who they play yet, just so we avoid spoilers in this major chapter in our party's journey. Now, I'm including links to all of their various projects in the show notes. Just keep in mind they range across the spectrum of rating, so be forewarned they may not be suitable for all ages. Phil Usher from the Aetheron Podcast. Maddie Searles from the Prick Willow Papers. Michael J. Rigg from the Copper Heart and Steamrollers Adventure Podcasts. Also from Copper Heart is Brian Penaloza. Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Ian Humphrey from Under the Shroud. Trevor Roop from Dungeons Deep RPG. Corbin Miller from Podville. Daniel French from Chronosphere. Aisla Lewis from the Bicurian Podcast. Avnita Thwal from the Drive With Us Podcast. Montaigne Punk from YouTube. Cosplayers Bridget and Stefan Ferrugia. And Scott C. Brown from the Two Bards Podcast. Also known by many for his role as Bard Flynn from The Gamers or Strong Like Bull from Journey Quest. I'm so excited to reach out to him, and he's an absolute joy to work with. And for those of you in Tacoma, Washington, mark your calendars as he is performing locally in Terms of Endearment at the Tacoma Little Theater from April 24th to May 2nd, 2020. Returning guest talent includes Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast and from the World Forge podcast, Sam and Piper, along with our standing cast and crew from last season, reprising their roles to continue the journey. So be sure to tune in February 23rd for episode one of the second season. And remember the oath. <laughs>